0: Lesson 11 for June 9 to 15 for teaching on June 16, God's seal or the beast's mark. Sabbath afternoon, June 9. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to open your word again this week, and as we do so, we, we ask that you be with us personally, be with us with our families and those that we meet day by day. But, Above all, we pray that we may see the grace and love of the Father, the grace and love of the Son, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit in this study this week. As we open your word, bless us each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Let's read that again. Revelation 15 and verse 3. Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. The Song of Moses and the Lamb begins with the words of our memory text this week. It is sung by them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, as they stand on the sea of glass in heaven, as we read in Revelation 15 verse 2. How can we be among that number? One of the most telling signs of God's true last day people is their proclamation of the third angel's message, which warns against receiving the mark of the beast. However, despite there being no more serious warning in all the Bible, many confusing ideas as to what this mark is have been suggested over the years. A barcode in the forehead, a credit card number, or some biometric identification. We should not be surprised at the proliferation of confusing ideas in Babylon. After all, its name means confusion. But? God's remnant people need a clear understanding of this topic in order to proclaim the third angel's message with power. This week, we'll try to understand better what the mark of the beast is and how to avoid it by receiving the seal of God. Sunday, June 10, God's sign identifying His people. Question. In Old Testament times, there were two outward identifiers of God's true people. One of them was circumcision. To whom was this sign first given? Well, let's read Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through to 11. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And Exodus chapter 31, verses 13 and 17. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God commanded Abraham and his descendants to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant of salvation. Males were to be circumcised on the eighth day, as we read in Leviticus 12 verse 3. However, this ritual had a deeper significance. It was meant to symbolise a need for circumcision or renewal of the heart, as expressed in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live that is why paul writes in romans 2 28 and 29 for he is not a jew who is one outwardly nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh but he is a jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter whose praise is not from men but from god Texts such as first Corinthians seven nineteen and Galatians five six and Galatians six fifteen show that in the New Testament circumcision is replaced by baptism which symbolises conversion, a new creation, a dying to sin, and a rising to a new life, as we read in Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That is why Paul says circumcision is no longer important, and that it is faith working through love and keeping the commandments of God that really matter. Question. What was the second outward sign that God gave to identify His people, and why was it given? And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 31, verses 13 and 17, and Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 20. So, first of all, Exodus chapter 31, verses 13 to 17. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever." For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, Moreover I also gave them my Sabbaths, to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And verse 20, Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God." Notice that the Sabbath, as a sign, goes all the way back to creation, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made." whereas circumcision began only with abraham thus jesus said in referring to genesis the sabbath was made for humankind and that's mark chapter 2 and verse 27 it shows that we belong to god by creation because he made us and by redemption because he justifies and sanctifies us thus although paul says that circumcision is no longer important he argues that keeping god's commandments which includes the sabbath still is important as uh, we read in hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 there remains therefore a rest for the people of god and so to finish today how do your thoughts and intentions reveal whether or not you truly have been circumcised in the heart Monday, June 11, The Beast and False Worship Question. Read the following texts. What do they teach us about the importance of avoiding the mark of the beast? First of all, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of THE LAMB, AND REVELATION 16, VERSE 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Receiving the undiluted wrath of God, being punished by the seven last plagues, and in the end being cast into the lake of fire, all of these things happen to those who bear the mark of the beast. What a contrast to those who refuse the mark of the beast and stand on the sea of glass triumphantly singing praise to God and the Lamb. What is this mark that no one would want to receive? Clearly, the above verses connect it with false worship. Also, as we saw in a previous lesson, the fourth beast power of Daniel 7, in its latter phase, also depicted as the sea beast of Revelation 13, would think to change times and laws, as we read in Daniel 7.25. One law that it thought to change was the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. The only one of the ten that refers to time and points directly to God is the one who made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day, as it says in Exodus 20 verse 11. Significantly, the first angel's message points us back to this commandment that the beast power tried to change and makes it clear that we are to worship the Lord alone as the Creator. In fact... Of the seven verses referring to worship in Revelation 12 through to Revelation 14, this, Revelation 14.7, is the only one about true worship. The other six warn against falsely worshipping the beast and his image in Revelation 13.4, Revelation 13.8, Revelation 13.12, Revelation 13.15, Revelation 14.9 and verse 11. Immediately after the third angel's description of the fate of those who engage in this false worship, the true worshippers of God are described in Revelation fourteen twelve. Here is the patience of the saints, Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In other words, Proclamation of these three messages separates all of humanity into two groups, those who worship the Creator by keeping all of His commandments, including the Seventh-day Sabbath command, and those who worship the Beast and His image. This false form of worship, then, offers an alternative to worshiping the Creator by keeping the Sabbath commandment. So to finish the day. Think more about the connection between worship and loyalty. What aspects of worship are essential in order to show our loyalty to God? Tuesday, June 12. The seal of God. Like a signature a seal is used to validate a document. In ancient times it was a stamp pressed onto soft wax or clay to show authenticity or ownership having the authority of its owner behind it. Question: What is the seal of God? And how and when is it given? And we'll look at some texts with this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory? And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And Second Timothy 2 verse 19, Nevertheless the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through to 4. After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And Revelation 14 and verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. The seal of God is a sign of God's ownership and protection of His people. Paul describes a sealing in connection with conversion and reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He calls this gift a deposit or down payment given to all believers as an assurance of the complete redemption and future inheritance they will receive when Jesus comes. The book of Revelation describes another sealing just prior to the second advent. This final seal is given to the 144,000 at the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign. They have God's name or signature written in their foreheads. Through the Holy Spirit's work in their lives, they come to reflect God's character question contrast the seal of god with the mark of the beast what differences between them are mentioned well we'll look at revelation chapter 7 verse 3 and to the angel of the church in philadelphia write these things says he who is holy he who is true he who has the key of david he who opens and no one shuts and shuts And no one opens. And Revelation 14 verse 9, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand. The seal is given to true worshippers of God, while the mark is given to worshippers of the beast. The seal is given only in the forehead, indicating a definite choice of the mind to worship God, in a way that he has commanded. The mark, on the other hand, is given either in the forehead or in the hand. This means that people may worship the beast for one of two reasons. Either in their minds they agree with it, thinking that they are truly worshipping God, or they don't agree with it, but they go along with it because they are afraid of the serious consequences of not conforming, being unable to buy or sell, and eventually being killed. Revelation 13 verses 15 to 17. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast." or the number of His name. Ellen White writes in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 216, Those who are uniting with the world are receiving the worldly mould and preparing for the mark of the beast. Those who are distrustful of self, who are humbling themselves before God and purifying their souls by obeying the truth, these are receiving the heavenly mould and preparing for the seal of God in their foreheads. Day, March 13, the mark of the beast. What is this mark that we need to avoid getting? As we saw in an earlier lesson, the fourth beast power of Daniel 7, in its latter phase, also depicted by the sea beast of Revelation 13, would think to change times and laws, Daniel 7.25. As we have seen already, One law that is thought to change was the Sabbath or the fourth commandment, the only commandment that points directly to God as the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Exodus 20, verse 11. Meanwhile, the first angel's message, pointing the reader back to this same commandment, one that the beast power tried to change, makes it clear that we are to worship the Lord alone as the Creator. Then after a warning about the fate of those who instead worship the beast and his image of Revelation 14:9 God's faithful people are depicted in verse 12 Question read Revelation chapter 14 verse 12 given the immediate context how does this depiction of God's faithful people help us to understand why the Sabbath is so central to final events Revelation 14:12 Here is the patience of the saints, here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The text reads, Here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. As we have seen, included in the commandments of God is the fourth commandment concerning the Sabbath, which points to God as the Creator and the one who alone should be worshipped. No wonder, then, that many see the issue of the mark of the beast as being directly tied to the question of Sunday worship, a counterfeit Sabbath that is not commanded in the Bible, as opposed to keeping the fourth commandment which is commanded in the Bible. Does this mean that Christians who worship God on Sunday have the mark of the beast now? No. According to Revelation 13.15, Those who refuse to join in this false worship of the beast will be killed. It will eventually become a life or death issue. Obviously, though, events have not yet reached the point, and the mark of the beast will not be given until this final test does come. Therefore, no one has yet received the mark of the beast. Revelation 13.15 reads, He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So to finish today, commandments of God, the faith of Jesus. Why are these traits even now crucial aspects of what it means to be a true Christian? day, june 14 the sabbath as a seal as we have seen the seventh day sabbath has been a sign of god's true people throughout history beginning with adam and eve and continuing during the time of israel we also see it perpetuated in the new testament church with the practice of jesus and his disciples and as a distinguishing sign of god's last day people who as it says in revelation 14:12 keep the commandments of god and the faith of Jesus. Question. Why is the Sabbath so important, and what special significance does it have for Christians? First of all, we'll look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. And Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through to 10. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. The Sabbath appears in the heart of the Ten Commandments. It was given by the Creator as a sign or seal of His authority. It identifies Him by name, the Lord your God. It identifies the realm over which He has jurisdiction, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. It also identifies the basis of His authority. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and rested the seventh day." The New Testament identifies Jesus as the one through whom God made all things. As we read in John 1, 1 1-3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made, and Colossians 1, verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Therefore, it is Jesus who created our world in six days and rested on the seventh day. As such, it is highly significant that as Jesus hung on the cross that Friday afternoon, he cried out, It is finished, and that's recorded in John 19 verse 30. Just as he rested on the Sabbath after finishing his work of creation, so Jesus rested in the tomb over the Sabbath after finishing his sacrificial work by dying in our place for our redemption. So the Sabbath is doubly blessed, first as at creation and then at the cross. That is why, according to the book of Hebrews, in resting on the Sabbath, the Christian shows that He has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Hebrews 4 verse 10 The Sabbath is a perfect symbol of the fact that we cannot save ourselves, that from start to finish it is Christ's work made possible through faith. Hebrews 12 verse 2 reads, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So to finish the day, if the Sabbath symbolizes resting from our works, what does the keeping of Sunday represent, and how does this fit right in with the basic character of Babylon? Friday, June 15. Ellen White writes in The Faith I Live By, page 285, Just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, it is not any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. Just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Indeed, it has begun already. The judgments of God are now upon the land, that we may know what is coming, end of quote. And in the Great Controversy, page 605. The Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty, for it is the point of truth especially controverted. When the final test shall be brought to bear upon men, then the line of distinction will be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve Him not. While the observance of the false Sabbath in compliance with the law of the state, contrary to the fourth commandment, will be an avowal of allegiance to a power that is in opposition to God, the keeping of the true Sabbath in obedience to God's laws is an evidence of loyalty to the Creator. While one class, by accepting the sign of submission to earthly powers, receive the mark of the beast, the other, choosing the token of allegiance to divine authority, receive the seal of God, end of quote. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. What are ways we can reveal to others the truth about the mark of the beast and the seal of God that doesn't cause unnecessary controversy? For instance, why must we emphasize the fact that no one now has the mark of the beast? 2. How are the Sabbath and the sealing of the Holy Spirit related? 2. Reflect on the above idea of the seal as a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually. What does that mean? And four. Discuss what characterises spiritual Babylon, its values and methods. How do they differ from the values of God's kingdom? How might some of Babylon's values be creeping into our own church even now? How can we learn to recognise what they are and seek to deal with them in a Christian manner, one that reflects the values of God's kingdom? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled, My Husband, My Field, and it's by an Adventist wife in the United States. My husband and I always wanted to be Seventh-day Adventist missionaries. We both served as student missionaries in different parts of the world, and we returned overseas as volunteers after marriage. It was an amazing ten years. We served in three countries and planted many seeds that God could water later. But I grew increasingly bothered with my husband. At first it was small things, like always having to adjust his shirt collar. He would make a meal, but couldn't remember where to return the ingredients in the cupboard. We would agree on a schedule, but then he would cancel it at the last moment in favour of something that had caught his attention.' I expressed my frustration to my mother by phone. She called me hypercritical and urged me to be a better wife. My mother changed her mind when we returned from the mission field and lived with her for a while. She saw that my husband would surprise us by washing the dishes, but then we couldn't find where he had put them in the cupboards. My mother apologised to me, saying, I'm sorry, honey, because I thought it was just you, but you still need to forgive and respect him. My husband's heart is always so good. He wants to be helpful. However, when we live with him day in and day out, his efforts are not always helpful, but tiring because he creates extra work for the rest of us. It got to the point that I lost all respect for him. I couldn't trust his word. Not knowing where to turn, I sought the advice of a respected Seventh-day Adventist counsellor. As I described my husband's behaviour, the counsellor stopped me. Do you think it's possible that your husband has ADHD, he said? ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a disorder related to the executive functions of the brain and is characterised by difficulty paying attention, impulsive behaviour and hyperactivity. So, 18 years after getting married... I finally understood why my husband acts the way he does. I had to let go of my expectations and realise that God wanted to work on my heart. I love my husband. We may never be overseas missionaries again, and that's fine with me. Ellen White says in Testimonies for the Church, volume 6, page 429, Our work for Christ is to begin with the family in the home. There is no mission field more important than this. I have found my mission field. Your reader for this week's Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been Dr. Percy Harold. It has been produced in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind, distributed under the auspices of the Sabbath School Department by hopechannel.com.